welcome to the Blessed Life Podcast, where we walk together into the promises of God to receive what Christ has for us. I'm Eric, Discipleship Pastor at New Life Lutheran Church. Thank you for joining us for our twice-monthly Discipleship Podcast. In this episode, we are continuing what we began last episode, which is answering the question, what is discipleship? We looked at Colossians to see how Paul in Colossians defines discipleship. I introduced Colossians and how it teaches us about the Christian life, and we explored some of the main contours of Colossians. And so now we are going to continue that conversation today. Last week, we discovered that there are at least four main things that we see in Colossians that talk about our life in Christ, what we become when we are baptized in Christ and we grow into his grace. And that's confidence, discipline, health, and purpose. These are four areas that are developed within us by the Holy Spirit as we grow into Christ and as we walk in him. One of the main phrases in Colossians is walk in or to live out. We talked about this last week, this peripateo language. And the idea of this peripateo is to inhabit a space or to walk in a space. It was used a lot in the Greek translation of the Old Testament where a army would come into a land, would take over the land, and then would inhabit that new land. Or if somebody moved into a land, they were said to walk in or inhabit that land. Peripateo is a compound word made up of two words, to walk around. And so this is how we understand our life in Christ is not so much this drive for us to be better or to grow more, but is actually this walking in or living out what God has already said about us. So as we hear the word of God, as we discover his promises to us, we walk in those things. We inhabit those promises, not so much push ourselves and motivate ourselves to be better and be more righteous and do all these things, but we inhabit the things that God has already said about us. And in that, we grow in grace, we grow in knowledge. And as Paul says in Colossians, there seems to be this almost endless potential that we have to have all of this knowledge and all of this peace and all of this patience and understanding in Christ. So today we're going to talk about how this happens. Well, we see in chapter three of the letter to the Colossians how this occurs. One of the first things that we see beginning in verse 15 and 16, and this is what it says, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body and be thankful Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. So in this section, this chapter three section, Paul is moving from the theological conversation of who we are in Christ and who we are, who Christ makes us in our baptism into this passage about what happens Once we are in this new reality, once God has redeemed us in Christ, has resurrected us with Christ in our baptism, where we are dead to ourselves, we are brought back alive in Christ in our baptism, what happens next? And Paul gives this admonition, this imperative, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
So one of the fundamental realities that we have as believers, as those who are walking in and inhabiting this space of salvation that God has brought us into, we are letting the word of Christ dwell in us. But we don't just let the word of Christ dwell in us by ourselves. Back in verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in the one body, in the church. The Christian is not an island. Believers are never meant to be an island. And this is something that might uh, be a little bit different from what you've experienced in the past, where we are told and commanded and, and there's this huge emphasis on individuals, you as an individual, having this individual um, experience, this emotional experience with Jesus. But when Paul writes about discipleship and when he writes about the Christian life, it seems to be in the context of the church, a communal experience that we all experience together. So the church is meant to be, is designed to be a little piece of heaven on earth, this redeemed community of individuals who have been called by God, who have been redeemed by God, and are now living in this new reality. As we see, as we saw earlier in Colossians, we talked about last week that we are transferred from the kingdom, from the reign of death, from the reign of sin into the kingdom of God. And now the church body, the congregation, is this kingdom. It's the people of the kingdom that are inhabiting God's land of salvation, inhabiting this new reality that we have in Christ, and we do this thing together. And the primary reality in that community is letting the word of God dwell in us, letting the word of Christ richly dwell inside of us, listening to it, meditating on it, and spending time with it. And so that leads us back to that, and we actually see this in Psalm 1 where the psalmist writes about the happy person or the blessed person who meditates on the law day and night. This is who we are supposed to be, people who are under God's word, people who listen to God speaking to us, and we listen to God speaking to us together. This is how we hear all of God's commands. This is how we hear of God's forgiveness. This is how we hear of God's promises that he has lavished on us in Christ. And as we trust in him and walk in faith, we can inhabit these promises that he gives by his word. This primarily happens through the scripture, through the scripture that is read, through the scripture that is preached, and the scripture that we receive through worship. And he continues on in verse 16 to letting, letting this word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, that we are to speak scripture to each other. And not just on Sunday where the pastor teaches the congregation, but actually teaching to each other on a regular basis, which is why life groups are so important, why gathering with other believers is such a central part of the Christian life, because we have to hear the word of God spoken to us. It is super important that we have other people in our life that proclaim the gospel to us on a regular basis. And we go back to Romans chapter 10, where Paul says, how can someone believe? How can they have faith? How can they trust in God if they have not heard the gospel? How can they hear the gospel if there is not a preacher? God has ordained, he has decided that the way that the gospel is, is given, that the way that the word of God is given to us is by people, is by uh, human tongues and human lips that are speaking them to other people, uh, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming God's word to other people and giving them the Holy Spirit and giving them 
all these promises of God and allowing people to have faith, giving people faith because of what God has done for them. So this word of God is supposed to dwell in us by speaking it to each other, by talking about our lives to each other, by talking about the scriptures to each other, by talking about God's promises to each other, which is exactly what life groups are designed to do. They are designed to be these spaces where groups of people who are in similar situations to each other, in similar life stages, uh, speaking the word of God to one another, either directly or indirectly under the power of the Holy Spirit and, and by the work of Jesus Christ. But it's not just speaking the scriptures to each other. It's also with gratitude in your hearts, he continues in verse 16, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And so now this is more in the realm of what we do on Sunday morning. We sing with one another and we enjoy songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together. And so this is a great way. This is one of the ways the word of Christ dwells within us is by singing songs and singing hymns that are true to scripture and communicate the gospel to us. These are all ways that we can let the word of God dwell richly in us. These are all ways that we can walk in and inhabit this new kingdom of God that that Christ has brought us into. But it's not just this one thing. There are also other things that we can do. If we go back, Paul says at the beginning of chapter three, he admonishes the hearers. So you have been raised with Christ. There's that baptismal language. Uh, He talks about dying with Christ and being raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So we are called to to spend time thinking about the things of Christ, what Christ has done, what he is continuing to do, and the good work that he has done for us, the, the work that he has done to save us, to redeem us, to call us from our graves, and to bring us to life with him as we look forward, of course, to the resurrection at the end of all things. So ultimately, we ought to be spending time thinking about the things that Christ has done. Now, notice here again, this this inhabiting that we do in the kingdom of God, this discipleship that happens, it's not really a whole lot of that that we do. Christianity is is the worship of God. It is it is being in relationship with God and being saved by God through Jesus Christ and putting our faith and trust in him and the transformation happens through that, through his work, not any work that we do. Transformation happens through our faith in him and what he has done. So it has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with what we can do or what we can say or what we can achieve, and everything about what God has said, what God has done, and what God has achieved in Christ. Later in chapter 3, in verse 12 to 14, this is what Paul says, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. So also, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Our response to the work of Jesus Christ, the work that he has done for us, is to trust in him and to put on love, to clothe ourselves with love. And again, this is something that is given to us. It is not something that is necessarily inherent or natural to us, but it's something that we actually have to put on. We have to practice 
love. We have to walk in obedience to what Jesus has called us to do, and we have to walk in congruence with the faith that we have in him, that he has saved us and redeemed us, and that's exactly why he says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Our actions need to be congruent with, they need to be in line with the faith that we have, the trust that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we walk in obedience to Jesus because of what he has done for us. And what that looks like is this putting on of Jesus's love, putting on of Jesus's patience, putting on of Jesus's forgiveness, just as he has done to us, so we do to each other, not out of our own power or not out of our own will, but out of the work that he's done for us and the power of the Holy Spirit. We put on his love and our lives are transformed because of that. That's how we inhabit this new space. That's how we inhabit this new world that we are entering into, this world of salvation and this world of grace. So discipleship then is not something that we achieve on our own. Discipleship is walking hand in hand as we walk into and dwell in and inhabit the promises that God has made for us, the promises that God has given to us in the scriptures in Christ. And we hear in the proclamation of the gospel and the proclamation from the sermon in our baptism and in Holy Communion, we hear God's word, we hear about his work, we are transformed by his work for us, and we are made into the image of Christ through his work and through his word that we let dwell in us richly by reading the scriptures, by speaking the scriptures to one another, by encouraging and challenging each other, by praying for each other, by receiving communion, by remembering our baptism, by uh, singing songs to one another, and by clothing ourselves in love and walking forward in love. This is discipleship. This is discipleship, walking in the promises of God. And this is discipleship really from a Lutheran perspective, because we believe as Lutherans that the law, the commands of God, actually aren't the things that that change our behavior, that we might be afraid of hell, we might be afraid of sin, and it might change how we do X, Y, and Z, it might change how we do some day-to-day things, but really, those are not the things that make us righteous before God. Those are not the things that God looks at and says, yes, you did a great job, and I love you because of what you've done. That's not how God works. Because even our greatest works do not look good to God. Even our greatest works are not acceptable in God's sight outside of Christ. They can be great for our neighbors, and I think that God rejoices when we care for our neighbors and do these things. But outside of Christ, those works are still sin. And so what God demands is perfect righteousness, and the only person that can achieve that is Christ. And so God gave us Jesus to take on the, the, the punishment for our sin and to take on the just rewards for sin, and now God can say something else to us. He can say, now you are my son, and you are good because you are my son. Not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything that you will do, but because I love you, I am choosing you, you are transformed. So this discipleship that we experience is walking into and inhabiting this reality that God says to us. So our value 
and our worth is not in our success. It is not in our uh, beauty. It is not in uh, our money, our income, our, our career. It's not even really, it's not even in our family. And it's not in our relationships with other people. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with, with what we do, but it has everything to do with who we are and who God has decided we are in Christ. And then God lavishes this grace on all people. He opens up the door for all people through Christ. He says, you are my people in Christ and we can trust in his word. And so discipleship is growing in this trust and growing in this faith and letting God's promises, the, the worth and the value that he's giving us, letting these things define who we are and not letting our own opinions about ourselves or other people's opinions about us define us. We are letting God define us. We are letting our creator define us. We are letting our creator define our work. This is promise discipleship. We walk in the promises of God. And the great thing is, as we're going to talk about uh, here in the next, in the upcoming next couple episodes, the great thing about this is that this actually frees us to grow and be better people. Is that this frees us from shame and it frees us from pressure and it frees us from fear and it frees us from sin so that we can turn around and we can love our neighbors better. We can be better husbands and wives. We can be better parents. We can be better church members. We can be better workers. We can be better neighbors. We can be more just people. We can be concerned for the poor and we can care for the poor. We can care for the prisoner. We can do all of this work, care for the orphan and the widow because God has freed us and he has unbound us from his own commands. Now we are free in Christ to do these things without worrying about punishment, without worrying about getting it wrong, because we are free people in Christ. God has freed us in relationship with him, in the person of Jesus Christ, to love our neighbors better and to be better people, to develop our own talents and skills, to develop all of these things because of what Christ has done for us. So discipleship is walking in and inhabiting the promises of God and then becoming better neighbors in Christ, freely becoming better neighbors, better spouses, better parents, better workers, better church members, freely becoming better in Christ because of what Christ has done for us, unhitched from shame, unhitched from fear, unhitched from punishment, we can develop and become better in Christ. This is the promise of God, and this is ultimately what discipleship is about. Ultimately, what discipleship is about. Inhabiting and living in the promises of God in Christ and becoming better husbands, wives, parents, workers, church members, and neighbors. In the past, how have you felt pressure to be better, 
to be a better worker, to have a better career, to be a better spouse? What pressures did you feel in the past about these things? Has there been a time in your life when a parent or a mentor or someone that you look up to accepted you not because of what you did, but because of who you are? And how did that feel different to you than someone who loved and respected you because of what you did and not who you are? focusing on the promises of God change the way we think about ourselves, change the way we see ourselves, and free us to become better people. 